You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. So if you're here, you're part of our summer sermon series. And some time ago, I worked with some of our church members uh, helping to develop their preaching and teaching skills. Some of them already had them there. Some of them never done it before. And so as part of that class, we taught them different methods and different styles of preparation and study and preparation to be able to use the gift that God's put in them to be a blessing to others. And so as part of that kind of conclusion to those classes, we wanted to actually give them the opportunity to bless you and to share with you today. And so each week you'll hear from somebody different, not because I have nothing better to do or because I'm being lazy, but because we have people among us that really have a gift of God within them to preach and bring forth a word. And how many know there's a blessing in having many voices in God's house that glorify and praise his name. Amen. So uh, you know him from times before. You may always see him behind the sound booth, but Dan is a, a, a great and faithful guy, uh, a gifted teacher, loves the word of God and loves to bring forth the right truth of God's word. And so will you welcome Dan Sousa as he comes to bring the word with you today? Good morning, church. Thank you, Pastor Dan, for the opportunity. I appreciate your trust and the opportunity to speak this morning. Um, Before I get started, um, most of you probably already know this, but I have Tourette syndrome. Um, So if you see me make motions that don't make sense or make random sounds, um, that's what it is. Feel free to ignore it. Um, So today, I want to talk about a popular story from the Old Testament. Um, We're going to go through the story of David and Goliath, but instead of focusing on some of the things we usually focus on, like the weapons of our warfare or um, the victory over the enemy, I want to focus today on the reactions that David received to his calling. Um, We know that God had called David um, to the situation to defeat Goliath, Um, but as we go through the story, we're going to see a few different reactions to that call. Um, So we're going to go through the story. It's found in 1 Samuel 17. I'm not going to be reading it all. I'm just going to summarize it for you. Um, And we'll pause as we get to the different reactions to David's call. Um, So it begins with the Philistines getting an army together to invade Israel. Um, So they come in and King Saul um, brings Israel's army to meet them and they face off at the Valley of Elah. Each army is camped on a mountain on either side of the valley. Um, And we see that they both get ready for battle. They come out into the valley arrayed for battle. And out from the line of the Philistines comes Goliath. Depending on which manuscript you look at, Goliath is either 6 feet 9 inches tall or 9 feet 9 inches tall. Either way, he's a very big man. Um, And he has the armor to match. Um, So he comes out, and he's arrayed splendidly in his armor with his weaponry, and he challenges the Israelites. He challenges them to send out a champion to fight him, and whoever wins, their army wins overall. Um, So the Israelites see this very large man, and they're scared, and no one steps up. 
um, we do see that despite this fear, they still came out to the battle lines every single day. So we see this going on for 40 days. They get ready for battle. They go out. They're arrayed for battle. Goliath comes out and challenges them, and no one steps up to the plate. After 40 days, David's father, Jesse, sends him out to check on his brothers because his three oldest brothers were part of the army. And so David comes, and he gets to the camp, and they're already out on the field arrayed for battle. So he goes out among the lines to find his brothers. And while he's talking to his brothers, Goliath comes out and gives his challenge, as he has for the last 40 days. And David overhears talk amongst the army about the reward that whoever defeats Goliath will receive from the king. And he's curious, so he asks questions. And his oldest brother, Eliab, hears him ask questions and reacts viscerally. He reacts strongly to this. So we're going to go ahead and look at Eliab's reaction. Um, And that's found in 1 Samuel 17, verse 28. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. So we're going to pause here a minute and consider Eliab's reaction. Eliab's anger here came from a place of doubt. Often when we receive a call from God to do something, whether it be to start a ministry, to preach or to teach, to go on the mission field, or anything else we are called to. People in our lives, even those close to us, will doubt God's call on our lives. And we actually see a couple components in Eliab's reaction of this doubt. The first having to do with David's qualifications. He was just a shepherd. Uh, So, Brandon, if you could go to the slide. Um, So, Eliab's reaction here is, who did you leave with the sheep? You're just a shepherd. Um, And we see a similar reaction sometimes when we tell people that God's called us to something new in the church, especially for those of us who are already serving. Um, So you'll hear, like, but you're the sound guy. That's what you do. Or you're in charge of hospitality. That's what you do. And you also hear, well, if you're going to do this other thing, who's going to go do what you were doing? And that comes from a place of doubt because we're only known for what we already do. And sometimes that doubt doesn't only come from others. Sometimes it comes from ourselves. So, personally, when God first called me to teach, I was the one who was doubting. I'd already been doing sound for 10 plus years in the church. That's what I did. I was the sound guy. I was the slide guy. Um, I wasn't ever going to get up in front of people. And I expressed that to people who told me that I had a calling to teach that they would never see me in front of the church teaching. 
But over time, and with the encouragement of people in my life, my eyes were opened to the fact that God had called me to teach, and that on the times that I am to teach, there has not been a single time that there has not been coverage for my other responsibilities. So we see the doubt of qualification, but the other doubt that Eliab had was David's motivation. So Eliab thought that David had come down to seek adventure and glory. I'm blessed that I have not experienced this reaction myself, but I've witnessed it many times from people talking about others. I've heard people say, can you believe that so-and-so is preaching? They're just looking for attention. Or did you hear so-and-so is starting a singles ministry? They're just looking to find a husband or a wife. Uh, Or can you believe that this person is going into the missions field? They're just looking to travel on someone else's dime. These may sound silly, but all of these statements I have heard multiple times before. We cannot let someone's doubt, whether it be our own or coming from someone else, distract us from God's calling. We see in David's story that he did not let Eliab's doubt distract him either. Now, at this point in the story, we don't see it in 1 Samuel 17, but God had already sent Samuel to David to anoint him as the future king of Israel. So David knows that he is the future king of Israel. He knows that as he's on this battlefield and he hears this challenge, that these are his people. And so he does not get dissuaded from what God has spoken over his life. But he continues on. He doesn't let Eliab's reaction dissuade him. He continues asking questions and seeking more information. And news of this gets to King Saul. Um, So he winds up in front of King Saul. And he makes a very bold statement. So we're going to look at David's statement and Saul's reaction in verses 32 and 33. (laughs) Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him, him being Goliath. (laughs) Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. (laughs) So in Saul's reaction here, we find our second reaction of disbelief. Due to David's age and Goliath's experience, Saul thought it was impossible for David to triumph over a seasoned warrior such as Goliath. (laughs) Similarly, People may look at us and think it is impossible that God has called us to the task he has laid before us. Again, this is something that I've seen in my own life. Growing up when I was younger, I was extremely shy. I was probably one of the shyest people you'd ever meet. If I met you, you'd have great luck if you got five words out of me. Um, So when I was in high school, and the youth pastor tagged me 
as part of his leadership team, people thought that there is no way that I could be a leader because I'm not outgoing. I don't come out and speak authoritatively. Um, but, and I listened to those voices and believed that of myself as well. I looked at other leaders and I wasn't like them. So how could I be a leader? And it wasn't until I was able to reframe and redefine leadership away from being something that was for those who are outgoing and speak boldly to being an act of service that I could accept that call on my life. And just as when I was eventually able to redefine leadership as an act of service, I was able to step beyond the disbelief into a place of leadership, David did not let Saul's disbelief stop him. Instead, he showed Saul how God had prepared him for the task. David, as a shepherd, had the need to protect the sheep under his care. As such, he had stood up against lions and bears to protect his sheep. And not only did he drive them away, but he had slain them to, in the act of protecting his sheep. And he was confident that the same God that allowed him to stand against the lions and the bears had prepared him to stand against Goliath. David's confidence and the experience that he expressed won Saul over. And we see here our third reaction from Saul as he's won over. And we'll take a look at that in verses 38 and 39. So Saul clothed David with his armor. And he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk away, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Saul's reaction upon accepting David's qualification was to offer direction. Saul accepted that David was called to the task, but his immediate reaction was to prepare David to do it in the way that Saul thought it should be done. Again, this is a reaction we see often in the church today. Um, when you express that you're called to do something in the church, everyone in their neighbor has advice for you on how that should be done. Note here that David did not immediately dismiss Saul's direction, though. Rather, he listened. He tried on the armor. And after he listened to the direction, he determined it was not right for him. And he respectfully left it behind. In the same way, when people offer us advice, we should listen to the advice that we are given. Knowing what God has spoken over us, we should weigh it against the way that God has created and prepared us. And if the advice lines up with the preparation and the word that God has spoken over us, then we should accept that and incorporate it into how we walk forward. But when it doesn't align with God's call, we should respectfully dismiss that which does not.
for example, take teaching or preaching. When I started teaching, I received a lot of advice from a lot of different people. All of the advice was heartfelt, and it was meant to be helpful and encouraging, yet also much of it was contradictory. Much of the advice came from people that was comparing me to a style of teaching that they liked, or a preacher that they liked. I'm very grateful for Pastor Dan, who one of the first things he taught us in the preaching and teaching class was stay true to yourself. Don't try to be like another teacher. Don't try to be like another preacher. No matter how much you respect them, no matter how much you like their teaching, stay true to yourself, stay true to your style, and stay true to what God has spoken to you. So I know if I'm receiving advice that's aimed at making me like someone else, if that advice comes with, well, so-and-so preaches this way, maybe you should try that. I know that I can let that go to the wayside. I have, however, received advice from men and women of God who were experienced in preaching and teaching that saw my style of teaching and helped me to improve upon it in a way that stayed true to myself and the way that God speaks to and through me. And this advice I gladly receive and incorporate into my sermon preparation and delivery. This aspect of weighing the advice in the direction that we receive brings us to look at David's reaction to God's call on his life. Discernment. We see this throughout David's interactions. When he was on the receiving end of Eliab's doubt, David knew what had been spoken over him, and used that to discern God's call in the matter and continued on asking questions anyway. When faced with Saul's disbelief, he had the discernment to know how God had prepared him for this very moment. And he was able to express that to King Saul. When receiving direction from Saul, And given Saul's armor, David discerningly weighed what was given to him and determined that he needed to stay true to to how God had prepared him, specifically for this task. David continued on to go and collect five stones from the riverbank, and he faced Goliath. Goliath taunted him because, against all conventional wisdom, David did not approach in the armor of conventional warfare. He did not approach with the weapons of conventional warfare. But David had come prepared with the weapons that God had prepared him to use. A sling, a staff, and a few stones. David proceeded to defeat Goliath using the same sling that he had used to defeat lions and bears and protect the nation of Israel in the same way he had protected his sheep. David knew what God had spoken over him. David had already been chosen and anointed as the future king of Israel. Saul did not know this at the time, but David knew what God had called him to and for, and he never forgot it. 
In the same way, we should never forget what God has spoken over us. God does not call anyone to do anything that he has not already prepared us for. We may not be equipped in the traditional way to do the task, but God has prepared each and every one of us specifically for the good works that he has prepared for us in, in advance. Ephesians 2.10 speaks to this. It tells us that we are his workmanship. And I love this word workmanship because it portrays um, that we are a beautiful masterpiece, that we are his artwork. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He has designed and created each of us specifically for the works that he has called us to. We don't need to go out of our way to find good works to do because God has prepared them beforehand that we should walk in them. And he has prepared us to do those works. The works that he has prepared me for are different from the works that he has prepared Pastor Dan for or Art for or Aaron for, or Brandon for. Each of us is prepared specifically for the works that God has designed for us. We are each uniquely gifted, talented, and prepared for the work that God has prepared for us to walk in. So, my question is, how are you responding to God's call on your life in the lives of others. It's not only important that we be discerning in our own call, but also when we see God calling someone else. I talked earlier about my doubt when being called to teach and my disbelief when being called to lead. What I didn't mention was that there were people in my life who were discerning of the calling that God had spoken over me in those situations and helped me overcome my doubt and disbelief. When I was in high school and college and I bought into the disbelief that I could ever be a leader because I wasn't outgoing and confident, I had a youth pastor and a mentor and several good friends who spoke into my life and helped me reframe my view of leadership and showed me that whether I knew it or not, not only was I called to leadership, but I was already leading through service. When I was first called to teach, my pastor saw the calling on my life and encouraged me and helped me overcome my doubt as I was prepared to teach, first in a small group setting and then in front of the church. With all of the direction and advice that I've been given over the years, I was never alone in discerning which advice to receive and which to dismiss. Rather, I had people who I trusted who helped me process the advice and helped me determine that which aligned with God's calling and that which didn't. You never know when your input, when the words that you say will make a difference in encouraging or discouraging someone in their calling. 
so as I conclude, I want to ask, what has God called you to, and how will you respond? Will you be turned away by those who doubt your qualification or your motivation? Will you give in to the disbelief that you are capable of doing what God has called you to? Will you be weighed down by the suggestions, recommendations, and plans of others? Or will you, like David, remember what God has spoken over you and stand firm in your calling, knowing that God has prepared you to do it exactly as he has willed? And how are you responding to God's calling the lives of others around you? Are you contributing to the doubt and disbelief that they need to overcome? Or are you encouraging them to walk out their call and reminding them of what God has spoken over their life? Are you offering the first advice that comes to mind? Are you prayerfully considering and discerning whether the advice you have to offer will be beneficial to them as an individual? As I wrap up today, I want to pray for us that we would be discerning in our walk with the Lord and faithful to walk in the good works that he has prepared for us. Lord, I pray today for each one of us in this room that we might discern that which you have called us to and that which you have prepared beforehand for us that we might walk in it. I pray that our eyes will be open to see how you have prepared us for the good works you have for us to do. That we would be discerning in how you have prepared us, that we would not listen to the voices outside, but that we would walk out our calling, that we might prove what is your good, pleasing, and perfect will in the way that you have prepared us to do it, Lord. Lord, I pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. As we close in one final song, this altar will be open if anyone needs prayer. Um, so please join us in worship. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.